thank you so much for having me, everybody. Um, I'm really impressed with how coordinated you guys are. We're definitely not <laughs> that coordinated at my meeting. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I host the uh, Atheists and Agnostics meeting, NAA meeting um, at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Um, technically, we're located in Danvers, Massachusetts, but I we, we've kind of been Zooming it um, since COVID happened. So um, I'm running it out of my home in Vermont. Um, I usually just go with my before, during, and after um, experience, strength, and hope. I, I grew up in um, in Richmond, Virginia, in the suburbs, and um, you know, uh, from an early age, like my childhood was really awesome. Actually, um, you know, I, I I didn't want for anything. I grew up in a really good household, and I went to a good school, and uh, all that stuff. My my issues didn't really start until I was a teenager. And it kind of started with like depression and stuff, which, I mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with alcoholism, but, you know, I was just kind of a dork in high school and, and uh, you know, I was like a goth kid at like a college prep school. So, you know, <laughs> put two and two together, like it didn't really fit in. Um, but my parents, you know, they drank pretty much every night. Uh, so alcohol was kind of always in my household. And uh they didn't like, they weren't really like fall down drinkers. Um, but, you know, it was always there. And I, I kind of just sort of had this idea that like, that's what you did as, as an adult, you drank, you know, you drank every night. Um, and, uh, and that was perfectly normal. And I remember being young enough, like the first drink I ever had, I took a sip out of my mom's scotch bottle. Um, she had doers scotch on like the top shelf of the cupboard. And I was small enough that I needed a stepping school to get to it, you know, and I got like this sippy cup from the bathroom and just kind of like wash it down with Coke in the middle of the night when everybody was sleeping. And um, and like I, I hated the taste and it made me cough and stuff. But I, I do remember like thinking like I got that like warm feeling and everything. And I was like, oh, this is this is something good. Like, uh, you know, I, I can I can use this later. Um and I did. I mean, my drinking career kind of started when I turned 16 and got my driver's license. Um, I have a twin brother. He's also an alcoholic and also in recovery. Um, and, you know, from the start, like, we, we tried, like, drinking and smoking pot and everything. I never really liked the pot, but the booze I really enjoyed. And, like, I wasn't a social drinker at all. You know, I, I didn't get invited to parties anyway. But uh, from the beginning, it was like I drank to drink to drink you know like wanted i wanted to get the drinks in me and get that that warm feeling um so i drank wherever i could you know and i really drank on the weekends only because um my life was like super regimented growing up you know it, it was like my week was it was like school and then sports and then homework and then bed uh monday through friday um and then it was like escape on the weekends and and uh and like I didn't have any major jackpots. I had some close calls. Um, I only really got in trouble with my parents a few times. But um, my brother and I, you know, we were kind of like able to be like, oh, you're going to be the designated driver tonight and I'm going to be able to drink as much as I want. And we kind of just enabled each other that way. Um, and that continued on into like adulthood. And really, like, I didn't think much of it because a lot of my, you know, peers were doing it. But there were some other drugs in there. Like this was a time when like half the people, the kids I knew were prescribed Adderall. <laughs> so 
so like we just had Adderall all the time um and I really like that because I could take that and and drink all night and not pass out um and uh, I went to college in Lynchburg Virginia at Lynchburg University um or I think it's the University of Lynchburg now whatever but um within like a month I was a nightly drinker uh because I could because like the the sort of restraints were off and you know I immediately found a guy who was 21 and he became my best friend, even though I didn't really like him all that much, <laughs> you know, but he had my booze connection. Um, cause I was only 19 and, uh, and yeah, like I, I, I was drinking every night. Uh, and again, like I immediately gravitated, gravitated toward the people who were like smoking pot and drinking. Like those were my people, you know, those are who I felt comfortable with because I knew they weren't going to like call me out on it, you know? Um, and I got through school, like I graduated, but like I did my work and stuff, but I did it with like a beer on my desk, you know, I'd, I'd start drinking in the evening and then just kind of like, you know, get through my homework as best I could before I just said, screw it and just, you know, drank the way I needed to. Um, and there weren't really any consequences because <laughs> like everybody around me was doing the same thing, basically. Um, until, you know, I was, I think I was a senior in college and like i had never like i had a, had a couple relationships in there but um you know they weren't that significant really um but i had been with this my girlfriend at the time for you know close to a year almost and the drinking was really getting in the way because like she just wasn't the type of drinker i was you know she liked to drink sometimes but like there would be nights when i'd go over to her house to watch a movie on like a thursday night or whatever and I'd have like my six pack of tall boys with me and I'd be there with like a group of friends watching a movie and I'd be the only one drinking, you know, like it wasn't a drinking occasion, <laughs> but I like had to have my six pack. Um, and she just asked me like, why, why do you drink all the time? And I didn't really have a good answer for her. You know, like I, I think I said like, it makes me feel good or it's just who I am or something. And, um, you know, after college we, we ended up breaking up and, uh, I, I, had this plan of, you know, I majored in English and I had this plan of taking a year off and then going to graduate school and actually, you know, studying something that uh, I was going to use because um, I didn't know what to do with an English degree. And I moved in with a buddy from high school. I got a job at a Barnes and Noble, and then I just proceeded to do that for the next seven years. Uh, and really, I just fell into this pattern of um, dragging myself to work you know, white knuckling it through work and then coming home after visiting the liquor store and drinking myself into oblivion every night. Um, and like in my early twenties, I could do that and sort of bounce back the next day. Cause you know, I always worked night shifts cause I couldn't handle the mornings. Um, but gradually, you know, the amount of booze that could do to get the job done in college wasn't enough. And you know, before long I was drinking like six beers a night, then eight beers a night. And, um, then 12 and even more on the weekends if I wanted to. And I gravitated towards beer just because like liquor made me black out. And I, I didn't want to black out. Like I wanted to be conscious and like aware that I was drunk, like for as long as possible. That that's that's just like the state I wanted to be in. Um and really like again, there weren't a lot of con consequences. Like I did most of my drinking at home. Um and uh, because I knew I couldn't get into trouble or as much trouble. Um, but like, I also knew that like my life wasn't going anywhere. You know, I was, I was barely scraping by and I watched 
all the people I grew up with sort of like get stuff. You know, they they got married, they bought houses, they got careers. Um, they were doing stuff, and it's like you know, social media. It's just like sometimes it's the worst thing ever. Because <laughs> like I was looking at all these pictures on social media of all these like bright smiling faces, you know, fully rested, healthy people getting married and you know hanging out on boats and stuff. And I'm just like, what am I doing with myself? Um, so I got this great idea to move to Boston, which is where my brother was going to graduate school, because I thought, you know, I was living basically down the street from where I grew up. I was like, well, that's my problem. You know, I, I need to get out and like become worldly or something, move to the big city. Um, and I figured I'd move to Boston, like make friends immediately and go visit all the museums and go to music shows and stuff like that. Um, but what happened was I moved to Boston and I brought myself with me. <laughs> And uh, I just kept doing the same thing I was doing, which is sort of isolating and um, drinking myself to, you know, to sleep every night. Except this time I was with my brother. Um, and at, at the time he was recovering from being hit by a car and uh, he was on opiates on Oxycontin and uh, and he was addicted. And, you know, we didn't I didn't really know, like, how to deal with that. Um and I was really naive, you know, so I, I can't believe like how naive I was thinking back on it, but like, it's just the way I was. Cause I really thought like, if he just stopped for a little while, he'd be fine. You know, he'd just bounce back from it and become his old self again. Um, but uh, that's not what happened. You know, what happened was he got, he burned through a bunch of money. Um, he couldn't afford to buy it off the street anymore. And uh, he lost his job and he started drinking around the clock because he was, you know, an opiate withdrawal and he was not in a detox and um and i didn't know how to deal with that either and you know eventually uh he did get into a, a rehab facility and um and he got better and and that was kind of like the first time i'd ever really been alone because like he he moved out of the apartment and you know reconnected with um the mother is his child and they're actually married now um because I had always had like roommates or a girlfriend or somebody around, you know, to sort of like talk to and uh, and keep up appearances for. Uh, but I was alone and I just kind of gave up, you know, and it wasn't just the fact that I was. You know, I discovered like drinking around the clock, I discovered like the afternoon drink and then the morning drink. It was just that like I didn't clean up better myself, you know, my apartment. It was just like a graveyard of beer cans. Um, and. I eventually had to move. I moved in with a bunch of roommates on Craigslist. And like up until that point, I had sort of maintained this idea that like I was an okay guy. Like I was a nice guy, right? Like I was most of the time I do the right thing. Most of the time I was a decent person. Um, and I could like kind of trust myself to to do the right thing. But like when I moved in with these people, I just couldn't tell myself that that was true anymore because I did all this stuff I never intended to do. Um, and a lot of it was in blackouts and, you know, I'd steal their food. I'd stay up to like four in the morning, blasting music, um, keeping everybody up. Um, I wouldn't pay the rent or utilities on time. Just like, and like they, they caught me stealing their food once and their alcohol actually. And, um, and it was just really bad. And I just hit this low point where I was like, I'm like kind of a piece of crap, <laughs> you know? Um, and on top of that, like my mom passed away unexpectedly and I was on like bereavement from work and I just wasn't processing it at all. You know, I was drinking around the clock. Um, and, um, 
that's about the same time I started having physical withdrawal symptoms when I wasn't drinking. And and for me, those were sort of like mild hallucinations is what I would say, just like, you know, just like lines and stuff on the ceiling, just weird stuff like that. And um, and that, that was it for me. Like that just terrified me, uh, right? Like I was like, not only do I not have control over my life, I have no control over my body. Um, like I have no way out <laughs> from this situation, right? Like I just could not stop drinking. Uh, so finally I called a crisis line and said, what do I do? And they got me into a detox and like I, <clears throat> the household I grew up in was, I, I would describe it as secular because religion just wasn't a thing really, you know, like we acknowledged it existed, but like we weren't, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, my mom probably would have described herself as spiritual, uh, but I asked my dad about it once and his answer was, I don't believe in any of that stuff. So that was sort of just all it was. Um, and like I got into detox and AA commitments were coming in and I knew about AA because my brother had been there. Um, but I also had this idea that AA was like a God program, you know, like I, I really thought it was like part of the church essentially um, because that's where AA meetings happen, right? They happen in church basements and stuff. Um, but I was also desperate enough that I was like, I'll do anything, you know, just tell me what to do. And everybody was in the detox was saying, like, you got to go to AA. And the commitments that were coming in, like, they were they were telling stories and I was identifying, right? I was ready to listen. I was identifying with, with what they were saying. And because um, they were talking about stuff that I had been through, you know, and, and like emotions and feelings I had had about myself. And uh, so I got out of there and... Uh, you know, I was newly sober, so I, I really still wanted to drink. I just had the physical compulsion to drink all the time, and it was it was just mind numbing. Uh, and it was I just couldn't deal with it, you know. Um, so I kind of had an escape plan. I was like, all right, well, I, I was in a relationship at the time with my my now wife, um, and uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll go to this a an AA meeting, right? And and if they start talking about God, I'll just be like, I'll go back to my girlfriend at the time, and 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 say this isn't for me and really what i was doing was setting myself up for the drink right because <laughs> like i wanted to be able to say like oh a is not going to work for me and then uh then i could say nothing's going to work for me and blah 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 um luckily uh the meeting i picked which i picked it because it was on my street uh happened to be uh an atheist meeting and it was actually the one i i now host on zoom um because it was called beyond belief at the time i didn't put two and two together that that, that was you know a secular meaning or whatever um because at the time like they weren't allowed to be listed in the book i guess but like i sat down and you know they this is a meeting for atheists agnostics and free thinkers i was like oh like these people are here in aa so i guess like that excuse is gone and um and it was a really small meeting and and i was the new guy right so everybody was like this this is we need to talk to this kid um and they did and like you know I was really uneasy about it because like I was not okay in social situations, but um, they were really like friendly and, and, um, and I met a guy um, who Mary Susan knows Dave and I asked Dave to be my sponsor um, and he wasn't really too keen on that idea, but he kind of became my sponsor anyway. Um, and uh, he told me about other meetings, like there was a meeting that met every, that met every single night of the week that became my home group. And um you know, I just started falling into like AA 
like the rhythm of AA, you know, like I had meetings scheduled. Uh, I got a copy job, even though like my instinct was to be like, no, don't give me a job. I don't want responsibility. But um, I also kind of knew that like, if I distanced myself from it, from like all these people who were sober, then I just wouldn't get what they had. You know, I, I just wouldn't get it. Um, so I took the coffee job and like that forced me to talk to people and meet people. And, uh, and like, there were times when, when I just didn't want to go to the meeting, <laughs> you know, when I was like trying to think of any excuse not to go to the meeting because I wanted to stay home because I was comfortable and just like, you know, watch a movie or something. But, um, but like, and people in AA just describe this, it's like your feet just kind of take you there, Right. You know, you just get so used to going to the meeting that you just end up at the meeting. And that's kind of what happened to me. And, um, you know, I got I got a lot out of the uh, the non-sec, you know, the traditional AA meetings or whatever. Um, it, when people started talking about the God stuff, I kind of just like felt like, okay, well, that's for them. You know, that's their thing. If that works for them, that's great. Um, and like, I didn't really take an orthodox approach, I guess. Like, I never really technically got a sponsor I never actually like sat down and did the steps. Um, although like, you know, I think they're, they're good suggestions and they're, they're good guideposts and stuff uh, for the most part, you know, minus some of the language, <laughs> but um, I don't know, for me, it, I think the three, the three biggest things that have done it for me has been the fellowship aspect, which is just like having a community to fall back on who like get it, who get me, um, who I can sort of be honest with like brutally honest with um that's been crucial the service aspect you know the having a coffee job hosting the zoom meeting just being like plugged into it you know and um having like responsibilities like knowing that like if i if i don't open the zoom meeting like the meeting doesn't happen right you know um and people need it like people rely like on it like we get new newcomers and stuff who are just like fed up with all the god stuff and they, they really want to just be in a room full of people who who like are of like mind and like we can provide that um and then there's a third thing what was the third thing um fellowship uh service and then i guess there's just two things really uh, unless i'm just too tired and i'm forgetting it but um i don't know and i've been sober long enough that like I've seen a lot of the promises come true and like i didn't believe any of that stuff when i first got in here you know people are like oh you'll you'll have a life second to none i was like all right buddy <laughs> you know okay you're just selling it right but um but like i ended up getting all the stuff the outside stuff that like i saw the people that i grew up with get you know like i ended up getting married which i thought was never gonna happen um i ended up uh you know going back to school i went back to I went to grad school. I, I left my Barnes and Noble job. I got a new job that it, I, I thought I loved and then it turned out I hated and I quit. <laughs> and then I went to, uh, became self-employed, which was terrifying. Um, but it, it was also a great decision and that's what I'm still doing now. And like, um, you know, we bought a house in Vermont and which was terrifying, but we did it. Um, and it's still like, sort of a learning experience for us uh, my wife and I but uh it's like now you know like I don't I don't think about drinking all that much like I went to a wedding this weekend and everybody was drinking um and I was even alone like I wasn't even with an AA person or my wife or anything and it was just like I didn't want to drink you know <laughs> like I was going to drive home afterwards and I was like like I'll drive home I'll play some video games and go to bed it'll be good you know um 
and uh and i still remember just being like fresh out of detox and just having that that compulsion just like needing it you know and and i'm just so grateful 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 that uh it's just not running my life anymore you know it's not even all the like this jackpots and the like you know getting caught stealing the worst part of it for me was just the fact that like i had to deal with it every day you know just getting the next one um just being in that in that moment of like how do i get it how do i get it how do i get it you know like i don't have to deal with that anymore like that went away after a while um and now I can focus on other stuff. You know, I can focus on work. I can focus on my wife. I can focus on like, you know, playing with my dog. Um, and I don't have like the need for the next drink just like ling lingering over me um, the entire time. So um, with that, I'm pretty tired and I think I've talked a while. So I'm going to shut up and yeah, that's it. Thanks.